Hey, folks, welcome. If you just joined us, some of you have been watching live already. Uh, we know You know that we edit and trim this up. Um, usually, we don't have a lot to trim off or edit, but uh, and I'm sure we won't tonight, but welcome to Faith, Family, and Friends. Uh, my wife, Amy, is in the captain's seat tonight, so she'll be interviewing our guest over on my left, your right, and uh, we'll introduce you in a moment, but uh, we want to welcome you to our show tonight. We have a couple of giveaways, but author Aunt, uh, Renee Haley is with us tonight, and she's uh, Zooming us live from where, Renee? From Noble, Oklahoma, Noble, about seven Oklahoma. miles south of Oklahoma University. <laughs> and so she has an amazing story. Her story came to my attention through a mutual friend, Scott Harrop, who I think featured your story in the Pentecostal Evangel, maybe back in the day. Yeah, right. Uh, and we went to his dad's church back in Stratford, Missouri years ago. And so we've wow. got to we went to college there. Small yep. world, mm -hmm. right, at Evangel. And, and it's so, a very small world. It yeah, is, it I is. love it. And that's a cool thing because it means God is just pulling us all together. Mm -hmm. And he has a way of networking and connecting people. And so we're really happy that's to have you on board tonight. Uh, Renee's story, and my wife's gonna start interviewing her in a moment, uh, comes from uh, her own experience, a true story, it's a book, called Tragedy, uh, Confronting the Unthinkable, um, and it's about how her son was accidentally shot when he was just five years old, right? And, yes, uh, he was. And how God processed that pain, and unthinkable is right, tragedy. Uh, the back of the book, if I can read this, and then I'll let you take it over, because you're in the captain's seat, but whoever wrote this back piece, very well written. Uh, um, I'm an Thank English you. ranger, and uh, I can't wait to get into it. I've only read the first chapter. She's read the whole book, so my apologies. But um, a mother's memoir of overcoming an unthinkable tragedy. To get our audience ready, I'll just read this piece to kind of get us going. When a bullet pierced a calm August evening, it forced one family into tragedy and fractured lives in the small Oklahoma community. In this powerful memoir, a mom recounts her family's grief, which was ignited by one seemingly harmless decision, resulting in the senseless and violent death of her five-year-old child, full of haunting foreshadowing. And that's the first chapter, believe mm. me. Wow, it's, it was unbelievable how they, well, I'll, I'll just let you guys talk about and ethereal experiences. This story traverses the barbed and foreign landscape of loss and the quest for justice. It's very accurate. It entrenches the power an impact of one choice in one life. Ultimately, this story is one of human resiliency that is rooted in a generous God who, although he allows pain, he supplies what the human heart needs to confront the unthinkable. So we uh, we like this book so much, or my wife did, and I know I'm going to from what she shared with me. Uh, we're gonna give a copy. You can't have our copy. No. Nope. We're gonna buy a copy for you. We love to give things away. We always have. If you are the first comment uh, tonight on on this if you have a question or comment and we'll look back and we'll be able to see who commented first uh we, we're coming at you of zoom to live facebook we have another giveaway we'll mention later toward the end of the show so uh, this isn't your first book though you've written a couple other books so or before this i have written i have written one other book and and just real quick i just want to mention it it yeah. was uh, the austin Healy story and uh republished with a publisher and actually they had embezzled money and went to prison. Um, so they stole from authors is what they did. And so we really don't know how many copies we sold or anything like that. And um, wow. so I had to decide at that point, once I asked for the manuscript back, um, it, they sent a corrupt file. And so I had to decide what I wanted to do from there. And so I decided to go ahead and sit down and start typing it again. Yeah. Um, wow. It's a story that I just, I really, really earnestly pray that God uses it for his glory. Mm -hmm. it, it's all about God, you know, um, yeah. wow. otherwise I couldn't make it through, but, yeah. but I, you know, uh, God is, God is the one who has led us and guided us and given us strength through it all. And, you know, we, we dealt with a lot and, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm eager to tell our story tonight just because I'm hoping with all of my, you know, with all of my heart that it just touches someone and helps them in their time of where they are in life. You know, they could be facing grief, they could be having difficulties, they could, you know, um, 
be having trouble with forgiveness or any of the other situations that, um, you know, daily life is what, yeah. where we have to go. And so I'm just hoping it has a, an impact in someone else's life. Okay, I'm sure it will. Uh, we don't normally do, we usually end in prayer, and we will, but let's, let's uh, ask the Lord's blessing on our time together. Yes, please. Because uh, I know people are watching. Father, uh, we pray in Jesus' name that all who would watch tonight, whether they can uh, directly relate to Renee's story uh, or not, uh, there's something that has been an emotional gut punch to their lives uh, that has just thrown their whole world in a whack. And this story certainly is one of those. It's probably the pinnacle of that kind of a story in some sense. And so, Lord, uh, as she shares her heart tonight and uh, regurgitates this story, it must be difficult to rehearse it time and again. But, Lord, because she loves you and, and Renee knows that it can help somebody, she's committed to doing it. So here we go again, at least from her perspective. And I pray that you give my wife uh, uh, anointing as she asks the questions. And, Lord, uh, again, for those who would just pop in and, and hear and watch this broadcast, I pray you bring healing and, and some kind of resolution, a redemptive resolution in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Yeah. So first of all, I want to thank you for writing this book. Um, oh, I, yes, and sharing. I have not had this experience in my life, but when I read your book, the way you wrote it, helped me to, in a small sense, feel what you felt. Just a small sense. Uh, yeah. you, you led us That's through good. the progress from when it happened to the end when you were beginning to see hope, you know? And you right. helped us through that process in a very, very real way. And I wanted to thank you for that because I know it couldn't have been easy to go through that rewriting and um, so also I want to say I'm very sorry for your loss of your dear boy. He seemed uh, uh, like he was pretty amazing kiddo. And my eyes, of course, my mom, but you know, he was yeah. pretty amazing. <laughs> so, and, um, what? Yeah. yeah. So, um, I wanted you to start by telling us your story or what you want to share. We want to make this book available for people to also know how they can order it. So. Yeah. and and read read what you went through but um i want you to just share what you want to about about your yeah. story i would love to and um, first if we if we forget later i just want to let you know you can find it at reneehaley.com uh, reneehaley.com is my website okay. and um, i really appreciate you giving the uh, giveaways for the books and things Yay. like that so thank you so much for giving this opportunity for me to share our story too so I will, I'll tell you that I am an English teacher in um, Noble, Oklahoma. I've been married. Yes, I've been married now uh, to Zach Haley for 24 years, been a teacher for 24 years. So it's kind of easy to keep track of. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I actually haven't only lost one five-year-old child. I've actually lost three to miscarriages as well. So I have more kids that are in heaven than I do actually here on earth at this point. So, you know, um, who do you hold on to during those moments of grief? You have to hold on to the Lord's hand. You have to hold on to God's hand and, and just grip his hand tight. You know, sometimes whenever life brings things your way, you have to lock eyes with Jesus' eyes and, and just know that he can bring you through. And before tragedies take place, you have to dig those roots deep. And I... You know, I can't say that I've done that perfectly, but I've, I've done what I can, you right. know, uh, to just keep reading the word of God and, and just strive to live my life for the Lord. And, and I know Jack, my husband does the same thing and, and our, um, you know, our kids and different things. And so, you know, um, we have a good life, but there was a moment of time where uh, we were at the lowest of the low. And, you know, some people can say that they've been there, yeah. <laughs> you know, the lowest of the low in life, whatever that may be, whatever that right. looks like to you. But, but um, you know, on August 2nd, mm -hmm. that was my birthday. Um, and he had, um, Austin had, let's see, where was I going with that? Um, let me start with August 3rd, actually. Oh. August 3rd was uh, the day that Austin had passed away. And August 2nd was the day that... Um, he woke up and 
And um, he had said, oh, hang on for just a second. I'm sorry, I'm going blank. Sorry. What was I going to say that? I know, I'm sorry, I'm nervous. I did want to encourage you, Renee, that th this is the kind of interview that with a book that you can give away the, the story because we know what happened. And so this, you share the whole story. I yes. don't think it will inhibit somebody from wanting to read it. You know, like, right. no need for a spoiler. Yeah. Tell your story. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. Um, you know, I, August 3rd was a day that Austin had woke up and said mama it's going to be a very bad day and he just started crying and i'm just like why austin why why do you think it's a very bad day and i just thought he had a bad dream or something like that and um you know and so i kept questioning him and he said i don't know but it's going to be a very very bad day and i i just couldn't grasp why he was saying that um you know and and the day, you know, the morning went on and I needed to take him to daycare. Um, he and his little brother, Dalton, who was almost three at the time. And um, daycare is just a few minutes from our house. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I, you know, I, I went to, to get him some cereal. And his tears just continued to drip inside of the cereal bowl. And I, I picked him up. I said, Austin, come here and sit in my lap. You know, and I held him and I rocked him and I said, why why are you so upset this is not like you normally you wake up and and you're so thrilled and you're happy to go to daycare and you know do you are you okay with daycare do you like daycare do you like your teachers and I kept asking him all these questions and he said um yes but you know he just kept crying for tears and it was just so unusual I, I couldn't figure it out mm -hmm. and so um Eventually, you know, he finished the cereal and things kind of straightened up and, and I took him to daycare and, you know, he was doing better by then, but then he started crying again. And I had to go to a teacher's meeting that day. And um, so, you know, I was, I was about to reconsider the teacher's meeting. This is the first meeting of, of the year, of course, you know, right. and um, so I thought I can't go to the teacher's meeting, not with him like this. Something is just definitely different. And, um, so anyway, he, Kim, the lady who works there said, Austin, what's going on? And he said, I don't know, but it's just going to be a very, very, very bad day. Could not figure it out. And so, um, late, you know, after he kind of calmed down a little bit again, um, the way that I had gotten a little more calm was I had asked him, okay, what do you want to do? Whenever we get home, I'll do anything with you that you would like to do. I look forward. And he had, yeah, yeah. And he had two wishes. He said, um, I want to go out to the, I want to uh, play on the swings and I want to go out to the pond. I said, okay, we'll make that happen. Mm. Um, and so whenever I get home from, from um, the teacher's meeting, then I'll pick you up and we'll go and play. Mm -hmm. um, and so he was happier then. He ran off and held his little brother's hand and ran down to his, you know, classroom of where he was going. And, you know, everything was fine at that point. And then um, I picked him up from daycare. And he said, Mama, I want to give everybody in my house a hug and a kiss. And so he went and uh, Jack was working on some kind of, uh, on his computer uh, to finish up some things because normally he would pick him up from daycare. Mm -hmm. And but I just decided to do it this time for him since he had to finish up a few things. So Austin came upstairs and gave him a big hug and said, I love you so much, Daddy. Then it came down and he gave his little brother a hug. He was his very, very best friend. Um, you know, they were just always so close to each other. Mm -hmm. I can't explain their relationship because I mean they you know, one was Batman, the other one was Robin for, you know, <laughs> Halloween and yeah. things like that. And so, you know, they were just extremely close. But um, he gave him a hug, and then he turned and gave me a hug. And he lifted his brother. I remember his uh, feet being lifted up off the floor because, you know, he was almost three, and his feet were dangling, yeah. you know, things like that. But, you know, they just had such a close relationship. But we went out to eat that night um, at a nice, you know, buffet meal and um, had a good time together. We had a great time. And then uh, came back home, and he goes, Mama, don't forget about my wishes. And I said, okay, I, I won't forget it. Um, let's go on outside and play. And so we're home from the restaurant and we go out to the backyard. 
and um, we play on the swings for a little bit. He's learning how to count to 100, and so I push him on the swings for a little bit. We count to 100, and then he's, you know, he's good to go. He just wants to stop there because he doesn't want to forget, you know, the numbers or whatever. Right. And so he stopped there. We played in the sandbox for a little bit. All of a sudden, I hear some kind of uh, muffled conversation in the backyard, and something about fire, a whole snake. It's like broken because I couldn't quite hear it really well. Um, you know, and so we, we live in um, inside of city limits. You know, we live in a country type area, but it's, it's very inside of city limits, about maybe half a mile from the school. Okay. Um, and so anyway, just to kind of give you an idea, there were houses lined up down the street behind our house. And so our house kind of by itself, but then there's a neighborhood right behind us that's lined up. And so I'm hearing a conversation. I start telling the boys, shh, be quiet for a minute while we're kind of digging in the sandbox. Um, I think there's something wrong. And so we all got real quiet. We listened. And I didn't hear anything else for a moment. And then they start kind of, you know, it's more muffled. I can't hear anything. So I go, okay, I guess everything's okay. Um so we brought him inside and got Austin some juice and got Dalton some juice. They sat down and watched uh, SpongeBob SquarePants for a little bit when the show was a little bit more decent than what it is now. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it was a good show. Um, and so they, they were watching it and um, all of a sudden I, well, I decided to go out and mow for a little bit. Now, normally Jack would mow, but I decided to do it, you know, just for exercise for a little bit and push push lawn mowing um we had a little you know just a little propelled lawn mower that's real quiet and things like that so um you know I, I was pushing that and my dad had come up on the Polaris with my grandpa Papa Jim is what we called him in um the Polaris which is an all-terrain vehicle and he had said um honey do your boys want to go out the pond for a little bit and of course I knew you know that, you know, that they love it they, they go every other day with grandpa to the pond you know mm -hmm. and so i run in real quick you know and, and uh, i ask him do you want to go out to the pond and feed the fish and they jumped up real fast you know i remember seeing austin's shoes flying on and you know <laughs> and, <they laughs> and uh Dalton, you know same thing and so they get on the polaris and um my dad had given me a kiss on the cheek and said, honey, would you like to go out to the pond with us? And, and I said, well, if you don't mind, I just now started mowing a lap, you know, in, on the, with the lawnmower. And um, so if you don't mind, just, I might meet you down there in about 10 or 15 minutes, if that's okay. It won't take long. And so he said, okay. And uh, Dalton and Austin were like, yay, mama's going to come to the pond with us. So we were excited. Um, and so I was just going to mow the lawn real quick, pulled on my gloves, and um, decided to push a few laps. Now, they were probably only down there for about five minutes whenever I heard someone yell, and I could hear them better this time for some reason, fire in the hole. I didn't know what that meant. So I went ahead and kept pushing the lawnmower. And um, actually, I I don't know. I think I may have, I, this is kind of foggy. I think I turned off the lawnmower for just a little bit because I, I was a little concerned about what was going on because uh, I had already heard those neighbors in the back. And so um, I, I think I must have because at that point in time, my dad had um, my, well, actually first, there was a first gunshot that went off. Oh. Um, and so whenever that gunshot went off, actually my thoughts were, I hope nobody just committed suicide. Yeah. I had a friend in high school who had done that um, in that area. So that's where my mind just automatically went and started praying for the person who that dealt with in my head. And, and so um, then I overheard my dad say something like, it's okay. Um, we're okay down here. And so I thought, Okay, everything's normal. So I went on and turned on the lawnmower and went pushing the lawnmower again. That just real quick, it all happened fast because about six seconds later, there was another gunshot that exploded and it was like a bomb. I mean, it blew me off my feet. I mean, it rattled my hands, rattled me like crazy. And I mean, I knew it was close. Mm -hmm. And I thought then, I thought, oh, 
what is going on? So I turn off the lawnmower, you know, and I, I listen and I don't hear anything. And I, I kind of push it over to the side of the house and try to figure out if I can see anything. I can't see anything. There's a line of trees there. Um, and so come to find out about two minutes later, my dad comes up on the Polaris going really fast and, and I had to almost jump out of the way and I could see by my dad's eyes that something was wrong and I go what happened and um he said honey someone shot Austin and I don't think he's going to make it wow now the, and I I couldn't wrap my mind around that I couldn't I couldn't even think that way so I go what you know I remember saying what really loud and um he repeated and I just went crazy and so my eyes were trying to find him and I saw him I did not see Papa Jim he was still down there looking for who had done it you know we still didn't know who had done it of course and and um Dalton was sitting there with his hands over his ears and he was crying and hysterically and um so my dad um said you're, you're gonna have to call 911 and so of course we didn't have cell phones too much that time so I ran inside took Dalton with me because we thought it was a murder at that point yeah. we just knew my dad's life was threatened a couple weeks before then he was an attorney okay. and so uh, we thought that it was him um, and so we thought it was all a murder at this point well um, we still didn't know and so we called 911 and I'm yelling on the phone please help us please help us bring us send an ambulance now and you know, all of those things. And so, um, and trying to protect Dalton at the same time in the book, I do put the 911 call. Um, but yeah. In, yeah. And so after that, um, I went back outside and I saw two police officers and I get, I shook one of them by the shoulders. I mean, I'm in, I'm probably in shock at that point. Oh, yeah. What happened? I shook one by the shoulders as hard as I could. And I said, you've got to find out who did this to my son. You've got to find out who did this. And he goes, we will, we will. We have a pretty good idea of who did it. And I said, who? Mm. And he goes, well, right now we've got him over there, you know, and we'll talk more about that later. And um, he goes, get over there and take care of your son. And I thought, man, what, what's the deal with his, yeah. you know, why does it come across that way? Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm just hurting, you know. And um, so anyway, um, we go, the ambulance drives up, takes Austin, um, and they think he has a faint heartbeat at that point in time. So I'm just gripping on hope the most I can. I'm just praying, God, please, please help him be alive, you know, and uh, help him just help him. <laughs> you know, that's all I knew what to say at that point in time. And so um, anyway, the ambulance um, said, I'm going to take him to the high school. We are going to metaflight him. You need to meet us at um, Norman Hospital. And so I, I, you know, I did my best to lock it in my mind. Jack's trying to remember the best he can, you know, Norman Hospital. And so um, we we drive to Norman Hospital. They wouldn't let us. We begged and begged for them to let us ride with them, and they just wouldn't let us. And so um, we make as many phone calls as possible on the way to the hospital. We get out. We go in the hospital, and and I say, um, we are here for Austin Haley please, please, uh, you know, where is Austin Haley? That's my son. And um, they started flipping through papers like crazy and said, we don't see anybody by the name of Austin Haley here right now. Oh. And the, imagine the turmoil that you're going through at that point, oh, you know, yeah. it's just, it was horrible. Right. And um, I felt like the more I yelled at them, the more they would be able to find them. <laughs> and so I did earnestly to say Austin has to be here this is where they told us to come and um and so they go we don't see anybody by the name of that name but uh we are going to try to track him down and we're going to get a room ready for you and so um they did that they got a big family room ready and you know eventually um when, whenever the doctor had walked in that's whenever we received the devastating news that I'm so sorry but there's nothing we can do to save your son so that was another moment of you know it's just a final yeah and how do you even um have that 
I don't know. You can't even see the future without your child. I mean, I just sent him off to the pond right. to feed the fish. He was just fine. All of a sudden, he's not alive anymore. You know, you just can't wrap your mind around it. And so, um, so I had fallen on the floor several times and passed out, come back, passed out, you know, and Jack was pretty much doing the same. Anyway, the grief was just so intense. We still didn't know who had shot Austin. Mm-hmm. Uh, but about, and we, we finally went and saw Austin, um, Austin's body, you know, they had him wrapped, his head wrapped in gauze and different things. And so the bullet had hit the back of his head, unfortunately, and resulted in his immediate death. Um, if there's anything good, it's, it was immediate. He wasn't in any kind of pain, you know, that, that was one good thing, but, but, um, we still didn't know who had done it. Well, while we were there visiting, you know, Austin laying there, um, they decided to pull my dad out and begin, the police officers were interrogating him and my grandpa and asking him, you know, you had a gun down there, didn't you? And my dad was you know, so loving and so supportive. And, you know, for him to, for them to even ask that, I was, you know, I couldn't believe it whenever he told me about it later. When I read that, but, I got so mad. Yes, <laughs> so yes. mad. I know, and the anger began building in me, you know, after I heard these stories. And so, yes, I mean, I was angry. I was so angry. Jack was angry. You know, my parents were angry. We couldn't figure it out. And uh, we needed to know, like, right now who had done this. Um, but, you know, there was a lot of interrogation that went on. And my mom finally stopped the craziness, you know. <laughs> um, but she, she goes, hey, you need to stop asking that. He, you know, my dad said, I own guns but I did not have any down there at the pond with me. Feel free to go to my house and look at them if you want to. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, that was a situation that we had to deal with. Um, the gunshot had gone off between, I would say 7.42 to eight o'clock, somewhere around then, it's kind of foggy, but, um, but whenever I got the 911 call, they had the exact times on there. But it was about eight o'clock, I'd say. And uh, um, then, let's see, about 11:30 that night, um, we had the uh, or the police chief came in, and he said he took off his hat, took it off, held it in his hands, he lowered his head, and he said, "We think we know who shot your son." And of course, the whole room echoes, "Who?" And he goes, "We believe it was one of our own police officers," and we're like, "What?" Why? Why? He's just a five-year-old boy. Why and how did this happen? And they said, um, well, there was a call into the police station from this lady behind you, the neighbor, and uh, she had asked for help, that she had seen a snake in her neighbor's backyard, not in her backyard, but in her neighbor's backyard, and uh, she believed it was poisonous, and it was stuck in a birdhouse. And so they they had called for help from the police. We didn't have animal control, although Mormon, about seven miles away, they did have animal control. So um, they were attempting to remove a snake out of birdhouse. They stepped over a rake, um, hoe and hedge clippers, and they decided to use their their gun, their pistol instead. Mm-hmm. And um, the first bullet had gone between my dad's legs, about five a little bit over 500 feet away. And that's what my dad had yelled whenever I heard him say, I think, uh, you know, everything's okay down here. That's not what he said. He said, what I actually said was stop shooting. There's someone down here. And so um, the second shot um, actually was the one that hit Austin. Uh, My dad had kind of tried, he was handicapped and uh, from, well, from an oil um, rig accident, different things. So there wasn't any way of him getting down to the dock, but but he tried to pull Austin closer. And he he lived in grief a lot and guilt because he said he felt like he pulled Austin into the line of trajectory. But no, he was just being grandpa and he was trying to shoot him, you know. And so, you know, he was a good, good grandpa. And so, um, but he, you know, Austin went down. And so, 
my dad had just had a stroke um, just weeks, you know, just maybe even a month or two uh, before this incident. So he could barely do it, but he, he lifted Austin from the dock and he knew he had to help him out somewhere or another. And so, uh, and get him out of there. And so he, he thought about how he could try to help, but there's nothing he could do. I mean, it was, it was, there was nothing. And so he lifted him up, put him in the back of the Polaris and he wanted to grab Dalton. So he, he grabbed Dalton's hand. Uh, my dad couldn't use his right arm. So he did the best he could. Mm-hmm. Papa Jim ran off and tried to find the, whoever it was that did it. And so that's where, why he didn't come back on the Polaris. He was still trying to figure out who had done it. And so, um, anyway, terrible situation, but, um, you know, once we find out who did it, we still have a lot of questions, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, speaking of questions, do you guys have any questions for me so far? Yeah. You do. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. yeah. You need to take a break. Wow. So, no, I don't need to take a break. I'm good. I can continue I, on if you're you good. Yeah. You want you to, but it must be difficult. And then my wife to have to, 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 to share this again, as I prayed when we opened our show this evening, to 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 really get that strength to rehearse the the details and events of that day, it, it, I can't imagine having to relive that grief again, except that you know it's going to do some good. And maybe if somebody can hear your story, and, and so, but my wife has. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, my my questions maybe for after, but. I was wondering, um, like, what was it helpful for you to write the book? Did it give you some healing as you wrote it, um, or was it difficult to relive it again, or maybe both? Yeah, yeah. So uh, there were times whenever I would just sit down at my computer right here and I would just cry over the keyboard, and you know, I, I just asked God somehow, some way, God, you, I don't know how you can use such tragedy. But somehow use this tragedy for your glory. Use our situation. We're just a, a little family here in Oklahoma. Please, God, somehow use our situation to help other people. No matter what they're going through, it can help others. And so that was my that was my prayer from the very beginning. And so, you know, writing the book was definitely healing. Um, writing it in every little situation. In a strange way, it helped because I thought, my worst fear after Austin passed away, or one of them was that I would forget, you know, I would forget the situations. And now I can reread the book and I can remind myself of different things. And so it's, you know, I will never forget, of course, it's too ingrained in my mind, but, you know, but, you know, um, do what? Well, I was going to say, um, in this world, that we live in this crazy world now, right? So there's a lot more random shootings there's a lot more horror in this world now that we live in that definitely this book is going to be a blessing to many people i just know yeah i definitely i hope so you know i think about the yaldi um shootings in texas and different things like that um you know i've contacted a couple of them the best i can and you know just prayed for them yeah i know uh what else we can do to help comfort them and, and give them peace but just, just pray for them and pray them through this situation because yeah. yeah. it is definitely difficult yeah. I and so i feel like one, yeah you, you know kudos to you for being able to right away as you said in the beginning to say lord how you can you use it for your glory uh obviously the lord was able to trust you with this difficulty we talk a lot about trusting God, but does he trust us with something so difficult as that? You carry through that painful experience mm-hmm. to help others. But was there a moment or a number of moments, I'm sure, where you had to come to that, where you were began to ask why? It just seems so random and wrong. And, and God knows our hearts when we do ask those questions of why. David asked. Jesus said, why have you forsaken me? Did you have those? That's right. And how, can you explain maybe how that, you process that? Right. A lot of people have asked me, um, you know, have you asked why or how did you deal with that? And I said, of course I did. You know, I'm human and I will ask God, why did this have to happen? Mm-hmm. Why? 
you know, why was he only down there for five minutes? Why couldn't we have been later? You know, why didn't I understand fire in the hole? Why did, yeah. you know, why did all this happen? And why did it all work out that way? But, you know, um, and I, I will never understand the completeness of the answer until we get to heaven, you yeah. know, and at right. that point, I think our answers will be, all, all of our questions will be answered. And so I don't think it'll matter at that point. I think we'll have full knowledge of that. But um, yeah, I, I just don't know. I don't, I don't know. But as you had said, and this is what I always tell, and this is actually in the book too, is even Jesus asked why. Yes. You know, why did you forsake me? Yeah. And so, um, you know, it's one of those things that I don't think we'll ever understand. We could still have him here today and actually could be... Um, what 21 years old now if he's still here with us and so it's hard to imagine him like that because in my mind he's still five years old yeah yeah but if hey there was an amazing situation that happened uh later that i i do have to explain because it's just one of those it's one of those uh god moments you know mm -hmm. we're devastated of course and and uh we about eight months later um we go to court and they had already um, been convicted of uh, second degree manslaughter. And so, you know, we're, we're finding out what their consequence is going to be. Mm -hmm. And so um, at the end of the court day, uh, or days actually, um, we find out that they were fired. Um, okay, but- All right, okay. okay, fired, yeah, two, the two, gentlemen there the two yes there were two gentlemen actually um yes let me mention that too there were three police officers um out there at the time of the shooting um two males and one female um one female just kind of stood back and and didn't say or do much um and so she did not have second degree manslaughter but the two male police officers one was a supervisor and one was a rookie of four months of being on the police force and um I guess what happened was the supervisor had asked for the um, rookie to shoot. And so whenever he shot, he missed the snake and the bullet traveled over 500 feet. And um, then of course they, the second one was the one that, but there were three police officers there, two in court. Um, our case ended up getting expunged, which means if you were to legally look up, you wouldn't find us because it's kind of thrown away in the trash wow. legally at this point. That's kind of how I think about it. Um, and so that's difficult. Yeah, that was, that was pretty difficult, I have to say, because you want to set a precedence for other people not right. to yeah, do right. this sort of thing. That's the point. You know, there was the backdrop, there, you know, all of those things. And so even though we're Christians, we're still human and, you know, I wanted to see a few days of jail time. I'm going to admit that right now. Yeah, I want yeah. to see a few days of jail time. We were angry. We couldn't believe what had happened. And, you know, things just got harder and harder and, mm -hmm. and worse and worse. But the whole time, you know, I, I would say, God, help us through this. You know, I never gave up on God at all. Right. You know, right. God is God has been my strength the entire time. Yeah. Um, but, it, it, you know... Um, after two and a half years, um, the case was expunged, and um, they did not see any jail time. They only got um, a few weeks of community service, mm -hmm. and so they had to work with snakes um, for just a few weeks. And so, you know, that was tough. And so, you know, Jack and I went um, out the back door because we're trying to not have a confrontation at all with these people, you know, Me, and yeah. we're trying to back way yeah. <laughs> and the media was involved and um, actually the media was became our friends um and right. so you know the media actually was helpful to us or else we wouldn't have known the whole story that happened so they kind of wow. helped us out and that's a whole different thing than what you would normally hear about the media yeah. <laughs> you yeah. normally yeah. hear from the yeah. media <laughs> but anyway they became our friends but um you know uh where were we going next i forget yeah. The, um, the policemen that right. came up to you. Came up. Probably. Yeah. Right? Well, you were going, yeah, going out, out the door. back door. Yeah. Yes. Yes. That's right. Okay. So we were in the courthouse. Sorry about that. Oh, and, I just read um, it. So it's fresh on my mind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We were taking back, 
back way so we didn't run into them. And guess, you know, we walk these different paths and all of a sudden, guess who we run into? It's the person who shot the gun. And I, you know, Jack and I look at each other like, oh no, you know, they had decided to take the back way as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, So they didn't have to be confronted by us. And so here we are face to face. And I'm thinking, do I hit them? What do I do? I I really want to hit them. I really honestly do. Mm. And so, um, but he reacted the best he could that day, and he uh, dropped to his knees, and he said, please forgive me. I am so sorry. Please forgive me. I did not mean for this to happen. And so immediately our hearts became tender toward him, and Jack and I looked at each other. And here's, here's this police officer on his knees begging for forgiveness. We're like, what do we do? We look at each other and both Jack and I at the same time, it was a God thing yeah. because both of us lifted him up off the floor oh, wow. and we both gave him a hug that day. I still don't know how that happened. No. I still don't know that it's God yeah. who gave us the strength. And so, you know, through all of our anger and through all of our hurt and through all of, you know, losing our son, yeah. God, help us forgive that man. Yeah. And so we kicked, you know, when we kicked him up and hugged him, mm-hmm. we said, we forgive you. And um, it did something for all of us that day, I'm sure. Yeah. You know, and um, you know, it was like this, it, it yeah. was like this um, vision had crossed my mind before we, before Jack and I actually looked at each other and I remember seeing a flash of Jesus on the cross and, you know, how much persecution did he have to go through? Mm-hmm. You know, he had, he had been tortured so much and had the crown of thorns on his head and spat upon and, you know, and all of his beard plucked out and, mm-hmm. you know, all of these things and not even the support of the people. Right. And yet he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And it was at that moment it was life-changing to us it it really was and and the miracle about that is it wasn't just one of us it was both of us jack and i both who felt that way and so you know it was a it was just a moment of forgiveness is real forgiveness goes deep yes and i still don't know how to this day you know, that we, we yeah. hugged him and lifted him up. But, you know, forgiveness is sometimes the daily forgiveness, I believe. And sometimes, yeah. you know, you have to forgive and, and then you have to forgive again. And then other times, you know, it's easier. But a lot of times it's a daily forgiveness. And so that's what can bring. Do what? It's a choice that you have to make. It is a choice. Yeah. It is a choice. Yes. Sometimes God, I think, leads us into that choice. And that's the part where I believe God can use our story mm-hmm. and I, I pray that he does because it was so real that day and I mean it was just so deep um, wow. I, I just still I still cannot believe it and yeah. um, back to I August like, I feel like that also can be a blessing to someone reading your story because that bitterness and anger and hurt and you know is the difficult thing that you know people they hang on to that and it kills them inside yeah. you know and it's then hard part, yeah. yeah so that part itself just knowing that god led you mm. to forgive mm-hmm. is going to save yeah. someone else yeah. it, it will because they'll see why wow. yeah yes yeah and, and i know, I that know maybe that police officer you don't know mm-hmm what you know maybe you do know but that might have saved him from i mean he had to live with that right but at the same time he may have made a choice if you hadn't chosen to forgive that's right that's right you never know you never know where god is leading at the the same time you know i we're just little old people from oklahoma yeah maybe not little six four but anyway right (laughs) but (laughs) god God can use our story, and I, I know that he can give someone strength through it. And that's what I pray. I just have an earnest feel of 
God, use our story for your glory. Yeah. I know you can do it. I know that you can work through it somehow, some way. And whether that be helping people through forgiveness or whether that be right. a situation in your life in a different way, mm-hmm. um, I believe that we can all relate in one point, you know, of, of being at that moment of time where it's just you're at the lowest of the low and God uses I don't. I think that what maybe looking at how God uh, orchestrated that meeting, <laughs> you were both groups of people trying to uh, avoid each other. God's like, they're not going to avoid each other today. I'm going to make it happen. It's His way of helping you with that long process because the questions would continue. I'm sure they did. Why or how come they got away with it or. And so that moment of his asking your forgiveness and God giving you both at the same time that capacity to forgive him and pull him back up became a strength or an anchor toward That's dealing right. questions on the way through. Yeah. Wow. That's right. Because forgiveness, God is lucky, yeah, you know? right. forgiveness doesn't rectify the situation. I think people want to wait to forgive and they want justice first and then forgiveness, but it doesn't happen that way. We live in a broken world. Right. Yeah. So, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Hey, I do have to share a couple amazing things that had happened um, back whenever I couldn't remember what I was going to say about August 2nd, my birthday. Okay. And he, he prayed for me um, and my dad that night. He had asked, can I pray for you and grandpa? And I said, sure. Um, and it was, in the evening and you know and I, I knew exactly why he wanted to pray for me i really and really my dad too i had um experienced three miscarriages and so he wanted to pray for us to have another baby um and then my dad had been uh, blown up on a drilling rig in 1981 and he contracted hepatitis c something you cannot get over at all um and you know and they didn't scream for it back then and so i kind of knew that and the stroke and all that that he wanted to pray for grandpa and he and and my dad were very 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 close and so um he goes i will pray for grandpa while you're in the room but i need for you to leave before i pray for you and i thought oh no i want to hear the prayer yeah i want want to hear what's thinking about me And so I said, okay, um, are you sure I can't stay in the room while you pray for me? And he goes, no, I'm sorry, not this time, Mama. So I go, okay, well, um, go ahead. And I followed his lead, and he began praying for my dad. And his prayer was definitely different. He said, I pray that you would heal my grandpa in one day. Wow. And after his prayer, I thought, why i even asked him i go austin uh why did you pray for grandpa's healing in one day instead of right now you know usually you pray for a miracle and he he looked at me with these big eyes and he goes he hesitated he goes i don't i don't know and i go okay well uh, i will believe with you that my you know your grandpa and my dad is healed and he uh you know he prayed for the hepatitis to be removed and for his stroke and, you know, his arm to come back and be able to use it again and different things. And so uh, he goes, okay, it's time to pray for you now. And I said, can I please stay? And he goes, no, no, I'm sorry, mama, you cannot stay this time. And so I said, okay, I'll walk out. But we had a good conversation about what baby he wanted us to have. Do you want a boy or a girl? Do you want it to look like this? Do you want it to look like that? And uh, so it, he was mentally making notes, you could tell. Um, and so I, you know, I, I told him whatever God would like for us to have a poor son, but I have you and I have Dalton. I'd love to have a little girl. I'd love, you know, you look like daddy. Dalton looks like daddy. I'd like to have one who look like me. I'm sorry. That's yeah. a little, you know, yeah. I guess. <laughs> you, you might as well just ask. And, um, the Bible says, ask and you shall receive. Right. And so, um, you know, I, I mentioned all the different things. And so whenever I left. Um, I wanted to hear every word, but I couldn't quite hear every word, but I know he prayed an earnest prayer because nine months later, now I remember I couldn't have any more children. And actually something I didn't mention was I had a hysterectomy scheduled because I couldn't have any more children. And so uh, nine months later, we had Gabriel, Jeremiah, Haley, nine months, passed away. 
And, um, you know, that was miracle number one. Well, I, you know, later I turned to my dad and I said, you know, of course, that was the day before Austin passed away. But later I turned to my dad and I said, I don't know how, I don't know when, but you will receive your healing. And he was like, yeah, honey, but there's, you know, I believe it, but there's no healing of hepatitis. You know, there's no, nothing we can do for hepatitis. And I said, but God. And that's what I took. I said, but God can do it. And I know he is going to do it because I received my healing and I know you will too. And he got real quiet. He listened. And um, about seven years later, it was seven years later, my dad's own doctor for his liver had invented the medicine and he overcame hepatitis C for good. Wow. When I read yes. that, I got so excited. Yeah, that is so uh, I, I was, I mean, that makes you want to be happy right there. And God, oh, yeah. because, I mean, God is good. God I mean, is so good. He, he's not mm-hmm. with us. He is truly with us in every single way. Every little step that we take, he is directing our steps. Yeah. And so, you know, it, it's just amazing that my dad had gone to the correct doctor and yes. he invented the medicine and, uh, overcame hepatitis C and so it's just amazing uh, there are a couple other things that are amazing to me if you don't mind mentioning it uh, the first thing is it was hard to figure out how to help Dalton through you know after this happened and so um, little did we know that we weren't going to have to help him too much he helped us mm-hmm. and the way that he helped us is he started doing this he started going son Bubba Jesus and I was like what (laughs) and that was the day after austin had passed away Uh and i started going what and he did it again son baba jesus remember he's almost three Uh and i said did you see something i mean i just had a feeling he had seen something and he said "Uh uh-huh jesus went like this and austin put his hand in his hand and they went up 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 to heaven and i said stop baba don't go come back and austin leaned over he said that and the story kept coming together you know as a almost three-year-old you know it's a little choppy but the story kept coming in because we needed it and um so he said jesus or austin leaned back over jesus's shoulder and said i can't come back but meet me in heaven someday and so, you know, that was comforting to us. Absolutely comforting. We knew where Austin was, of course. Yeah. But now we have to worry that Austin doesn't know. Yeah. And we have a visual image of Jesus picking mm-hmm. him up off the dock that day and taking him up to heaven. Amazing. And then two years later, two years later, Whenever he was five, Dalton was five at this point. Austin had passed away, you know, whenever he was almost three. So it had been two years. Um, he said, he woke up one morning and he goes, Mama, I had a dream of Austin in heaven. In a man. And I went, what? of course, that gets your attention. Yeah. And I said, what did you see? Tell Mama. And I sat on the side of his bed. You know, I said, please tell me everything. You know, you grip onto everything that you can yeah. at that point. And, and he goes, well, um, Bubba came through my ceiling. And I was like, really? Wow. And he goes, uh, <laughs> I mean, it was amazing. And he goes, um, hi, little brother. Do you want to go outside and play with me? And Dalton said, yes, but it's dark outside. And, um, Austin said, that's okay, because God can turn the night into day, and he went like this, and boom, it was light outside, and they went outside and played at the same swing set that we were in before, you know, that we were playing at the night he passed away, now they got to play again for a little while, and they kicked the soccer ball together, and they played on the swing set, and they uh, played in the sandbox, and did all of these things that Dalton had missed so much, mm-hmm. you know. And then Jesus, he said, Jesus, Jesus came down, and he got me. He got my hand, and he took me up, up, up to heaven. Wow. And um, he said, 
I said, well, how did you get there? Don't let me miss anything. So I'm starting to question. I'm like, wait, wait, wait. How did you get there? How did you get there? And he goes, there were stairs. Mm-hmm. And he said, I, I started walking up. And all of a sudden, boom, we were just there. And I said, wow. So how many steps did you climb? About three is what he said. And he said, so what did they look like? What the stairs look like? He goes, well, they were silver line, not silver line. He didn't have that wording, but he said they were silver and they were shiny. And uh, we started walking up. All of a sudden, I see heaven. And I'm like, wow, what does heaven look like? And I'm carrying on conversations. He said, um, there was a gate around it. And angels were there protecting heaven. And they had, you know, um, they had things blocking heaven and uh, different things. And so, uh, like fire. And so um, he goes, but the only people I think can go to heaven are the people who are saved and have Jesus in their heart, mama. And I go, you know what? I bet you're right. I bet you're right. And so he goes, but we were standing there and I could smell such you know, it's such a strong smell. I said, well, was it a good smell? And he said, yes, it was so good. And he, I said, well, what else is there? And he goes, um, very, very green grass. Um, he said, the flowers were just amazing. You know, there was one of every color and different things like that. And so um, he said that the best part was whenever um, we got to walk in and Austin took me to the tree of life. Hmm. Now, I um, forgot about the tree of life. I had, you know, I had taught Dalton about, you know, Jesus and God and the angels and, you know, all of these different things. But the tree of life, I had forgotten until I began reading Revelation later Uh and uh, talking to my dad. And he said, you know, the tree of life is for the healing of the nations. Mm. And, um, you know, I, I was amazed by that because Austin had taken Dalton to the tree of life and said, I want you to look high. Look at that tree. Do you see that tree, Baba? Do you see that little, that big tree, little brother, as what he called him? Yeah. And he said, yes, I see the tree. He goes, do you see the green leaves? And he said, yeah, I see the green leaves. Do you see the orange stuff that dripped off or that's dripping off the leaves? That's what healed me. Wow. He goes, I'm not hurting. I I am no longer in pain. I really wasn't in pain before, but I am just fine. Look at my body. Mm-hmm. He goes, my body is just fine. And I'm here in heaven now. And um, so this is another moment of time that, you know, Dalton, it was amazing how he could relate information and different things. And so it was so comforting to him. It was so wow. comforting to us that... Yeah. You know, he, he saw a playground, too. Now, the Bible doesn't speak of a playground. Yeah. But, you know, it makes me wonder, what's there for little kids? You know, yeah. uh, we're, we're, this is the way we're down here on this earth. Are we little kids there? I don't know. You know, I don't know what age we are. I don't know if age exists. That we're known for known here on this earth. And so it's just, um, it, it's amazing to me that they were able to play together and see different things and, you know, yeah. see his mansion and, Uh, It was sitting on a big boulder rock. He said it was sitting on a big rock, you know. Uh, It it just makes me wonder, but it's amazing to me. So I'm sure that helped you through the whole healing process, which doesn't ever end. Somebody once said that when we lose a loved one, especially a child, that we shouldn't be saying, oh, time will heal all wounds because then it would mean that person didn't mean anything to you but god over time is able to get in there and and assist you with that whole process but it'll never it'll always be sore because you loved them so much right absolutely these memories the dream the 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 being able to go back and, and revisit how that he wanted to pray for you before his life was taken and that it was going to be all that i'm sure has helped you guys through this very painful it's like god carrying you, you know the footprints in the sand really is it is true yes i mean the footprints in the sand is absolutely yeah. the way that i felt you know i couldn't walk on my own oh, wow. couldn't run on my own. Yeah. i couldn't do anything on my own i had to totally rely upon god and that, i think that's the reason why it's so important to 
before any tragedies happen, dig your roots deep. That's then. good. That's Let it. Turn. Yes. Pray to God. Um, not just, you know, really carry on a conversation with yeah. God. That's what God really wants from us is to be real. We don't have to pray a, a good prayer. We don't have to, you know, just be so perfect this way and that way. God doesn't expect that from us. He just wants our heart. Exactly. And I feel like that's kind of where we are at this point. Well, if you can pray for uh, our viewers and whoever may come across us later when we recast it to our YouTube channel, which we're constantly trying to get more traction because it's not about us. It's about who might hear the story even later on. And uh, so I want to ask you, Renee, to, to, um, to pray for those who will be listening, who are struggling with uh, even a similar story as yours, losing a loved one uh, way before their life should be over. And then uh, I want to remind people they can get a hold of your book uh, if they go to your website, right? Uh, ReneeHaley.com. And uh, we want to give you, uh, this. you can't have our copy because I'm, I'm probably going to start it. writing it, and I need to read it. <laughs> and he takes notes. <laughs> yeah, I write yeah. all over my books. So. But we will buy one for you if, if you are the first caller, those who uh, first. first I keep thinking I'm on the radio. If We've been on the radio. You, you uh, message us. And also a second a gift we want to give away, our guest that we had earlier this week, Jason Fowler, a tremendous uh, singer, heart for God. His testimony of how he was delivered from drugs uh, you can look that on YouTube. We would love to give this away to bless you too. Second comment on our show tonight. And, but the first one is you get the book. So Renee, if you could close us out with a word of prayer, we really appreciate you yeah. being on. Uh, more, I'm always thinking of people who would love to have it at church. So if you and not, your husband like to get away, uh, we have plenty of room in the house. If you can deal with two dogs and share your story <laughs> some weekend in the future uh, here in Michigan. So. Absolutely. Hey, before I start praying, I just yeah. thought of one quick thing, and I just want to let you know that God continues to work in our lives. Mm. Um, last year, my dad had passed away. That's the reason I've been speaking about him and past yeah. him. But before my dad passed away, I had said, you know, Daddy, I would, I would have loved to find Austin's fishing pole. Mm. That's the one thing that I didn't have with him. And, or I still don't have him, and it landed in the water that day. And I've been looking for it for 14 years, 15 now, and I couldn't find it. Well, my dad, uh, I asked him, I go, what did the fishing pole look like? And he goes, oh, honey, it was too long ago. I don't remember. But he, he got real quiet, and he goes, but I think it was black with red little stripes up the top of the, the pole. Okay. And so I left that in my mind. I thought, okay, I'm going to remember that. And uh, I bet you're right. And so we, we got real quiet. We went on with our Polaris ride together. And um, after my dad passed away last year, about just a few days, I was out mowing the um, the embankment that goes down to the pond, uh, mm -hmm. like I have been doing for the last 15 years. And I hit something. And it was Austin's fishing pole. Wow. I, and it was black with red little stripes up the top. That is God. You know, God. Yeah. Yeah. He's the little thing, and he makes them huge. You know, that was a huge thing. And so I just want to tell the, re you know, talk to the readers, or talk to the viewers for just a yeah. I'm sorry, not readers, and the viewers. And I just want to say this. God can help you. God can help you in any situation that you were in. Um, and he can, he's watching. He He's watching. He knows the intent of your heart. So whatever you need at this point, at this very moment, I know that God can see you through. And so I'm going to pray for you right now. Father, we ask you, Lord, to touch the hearts of the people who are watching this right now. God, you know my heart. Yes, Jesus. Amen. I pray that our story can help someone right now, God. Amen. There are hurting people out there. They were dealing with tragedies and situations of their own sickness and things that seem impossible. With God, we know that you turn the impossible into being possible. And I pray, God, that you would give each and every person strength right now. Yes, Jesus. God, touch their heart. Touch their life, God. Mm -hmm. And meet each and every need that, yeah. that they may have, God. Yes, Lord. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Do it, Lord. I pray right now in Jesus' name. Yeah. If there is any unsaved 
percent ward right now. Bring them to There's listening to our voices. I pray God that you would touch their heart and show them it is so easy. Mm. All they have to do is ask Jesus in their heart. Mm. And I pray God mm. that you just forgive them of their sins. Yes. Whatever that may be. Yeah. And bring them in so that one day there will be a day that we will see you again face to face. Yes. I will see my Austin face to face. I will see my dad face to face. And at that moment, it's going to be a very special moment, Lord. And I'm going to fall to my knees. And I'm going to worship you. And I'm going to say that God, I thank you for using our story for your glory. That there may be other people who are saved. And that there, there may be somebody who's touched by what is being said. Lord, I'm just a little me, but you're a great big God. You're a big Thank God. you for all that you've done. In Jesus' name, amen. One more thing to say. Oh, I was uh, going to say Dalton is getting ready to graduate from high school, right? Yes, he is. He is going to graduate. Um, he is a senior this upcoming year. Mm-hmm. And um, God has been so good. You know, I, I had prayed that... Um, that um, God would not only give him his own blessings, but he would care that Dalton would carry the blessings that Austin would have had. Yeah. And um, I believe that God has done that. Um, Dalton said, or Dalton's going to be valedictorian most likely. Wow. And um, so I believe that um, God has given him special things in his life. And he uses his, uh, you know, the, the dream and the vision for his own testimonies and so okay. he's talking to these young people and he's very outgoing with it he's a very outgoing person who smiles and laughs a lot and he's That's doing great. very well and I'm you know, he, he grabbed my heart and i just wanted to make sure he's <laughs> doing great and yeah he's doing excellent and god god is just good you know he yeah. he did that too and so um he's doing very well um but you know, God is just so good. Also, I do, I don't want to get off before mentioning, not only did uh, God give us Gabriel, and mm-hmm. um, who also has Austin's middle name, and Jeremiah was his middle name because it's Austin's favorite verse. So Gabriel, Jeremiah, but three years later, God also blessed us with our first little girl, Michaela Ruth. And so anyway, uh, God's blessings just keep coming, and you know I can only just smile and and just realize everything is everything is still good. Um, God is good Amen. all the time. The hymn, the hymn that was coming to me just a few minutes ago when you were sharing, I'm not sure what piece of this whole story. It was toward the end, just before you prayed, but the hymn, "His Eyes on Sparrow." Yes. And I know yes. Yeah. I sing because so I'm happy. Yeah. I sing because I'm free. His eyes on the That's sparrow, right. and I know he watches me. Amen. That's right. That's well, you right. Tell, tell your son he's welcome to be a guest on our show anytime. Yeah. Um, that would be a, fabulous for him to share his own perspective and dream. And and uh, we'll stay in touch for sure, uh, Renee. Thank you. Thank you, Ralph. I appreciate it. You and Amy. It's Amy, right? Yes. Thanks for being on our show. God bless you. you. Love to your family. Bye-bye. All right. Thank you. Goodbye.